Hello and welcome to Viva Pod Vegas. Oh, thank you very much for listening. This is episode nine bonus special episode, Boz Lerman's Elvis from 2022. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike, this is a special kind of crossover. This is an episode that's going to go out on both this feed and our Hanks for the Memory feed, the Tom Hanks podcast that we do, because this is kind of... It's not not an Elvis movie. Right. It's a very much a Hanks movie. Yes. And instead of just waiting to cover it here, we can maybe do it again at the end after mm-hmm. we do his concert specials or whatever. But with it in theaters now, let's get it out there. Yeah. Let's take care of business and in a flash. <laughs> and do this thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Elvis himself, he, he shows up at the end in some archival footage, mm-hmm. he, but it is very Elvis centric. It's an Elvis film, but it does star Tom Hanks. So we're somewhere in the middle. With that said, you're now going to hear the intro to the Hanks for the Memories podcast, and that's the entire thing. So there's no need to listen to both feeds. There's not like special bonus episodes. There's actually a little bit more here than over there because you have this special minute-long intro. Sit back, relax, enjoy. And if you want more Hanks or whatever, go to cagelove.me slash Hanks, H-A-N-X, or just cagelove.me slash shows for all the things. But we'll do plugs at the end, too. Hello, and welcome to Hanks for the Memory. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 66, Boz Lerman's Elvis from 2022. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, this is a special crossover episode between this and our Viva Pod Vegas podcast, our Elvis Presley film podcast. Yes. Even though this movie, two hours and 40 minutes long, spends like four minutes on his movies. (laughs) I was surprised that we got that much to be quite honest but that was cool yeah so this is the new tom hanks movie this is his first movie this year this is our first since finch oh yeah yeah that last fall i think we covered That's that right. this year but this is our first yes, hanks yeah yeah in theaters so this is yeah this is when's big. the last time this happened in theaters now a hanks movie and a cruise movie both sides of the tom tom club represented. crazy I, I don't know i think you know before we started doing the show, maybe they both had movies out at the same time. Because Cruise know. hadn't had a movie since Fallout. Yeah, it'd been a while. Like, because uh, we didn't start the show that long ago, even though it seems like it. Like, um, I honestly couldn't. I, had, I, I, I don't even. I couldn't even begin to guess when the first. Episode I, I feel was. like we only did like three new Hanks movies since we started the show, but I could be wrong. Anyway, but it, it is good to be here with um with Hanks in theater. New Hanks is always good. Hanks, no matter what, but. You know, we also what we should mention is we just got back from the theater. And yep. so, uh, you know, this is fresh in our heads. We don't usually do that. We do it as much as we can. Uh, so that's going to be fun about this. Discussion. And this will be a spoiler filled conversation because I feel like I don't want to say we dropped the ball on the cage one massive talent when we did that. But we, we saw that before people could see it. So I felt like yeah. it, it was wrong. But this is out widely now. We did not get right. early access to this. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about it in full spoiler detail. So if you want to hear this episode, but you haven't seen the movie yet, you don't want it spoiled. Save it. Come back to it. Go see the movie. Yeah. Spoilers for real life. There's probably seats available at your theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's definitely seats available. Um, Maverick sold out in its like fifth week. This, <laughs> If you can't get into Maverick... Little Roomy. Go see Elvis. So Austin Butler here as EP. Very good. Did you know him from things before this or no? I knew him as Tex from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And that is it. Do you know what he's like? I don't know if he's best... He's probably best known for Elvis. But do you know what he's best known for outside of filmography? No. Vanessa Hudgens, longtime ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. And they basically broke up while he started making this movie. And so maybe he got too Elvisy for her. Who knows? Oh, it could be. And she didn't want to do the Priscilla thing and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, he throws himself into this. Like he in, he is Elvis. Like it got to a point in the movie where I was like, that's just Elvis on, up there right now to me at one point. He's great. He was <laughs> yeah. great in this movie. Yeah. He, he leaves it all out there. I think he does most 
I don't think he said does, does all the singing in the movie because I think there's some stuff that's actually like archival Elvis, but like most yeah. of this music he re-recorded. And he sounds good. He he sounds really good, and just you can just tell by the performance the amount of energy that he's putting into this, and it's like that is worthy, man. Like uh, it feels like he's more into this movie than than a lot of stuff I've seen recently. Actors in those movies, you know, I feel like a lot of actors are just kind of in movies. This guy is like fucking the he is movie. The movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think you go see this movie. So we had we had heard rumors, I think, for a while that this movie was going to be called Elvis or something like that. But it was more about Colonel Tom Parker, which it right. kind of is. I mean, it's, there's <laughs> there's a middle chunk where he's not really on screen, but like it's start it starts and ends with Hank's on screen and voiceover narration, yeah. and the story is Elvis told through Colonel Tom Parker and how Elvis's life and career were dictated and controlled by Colonel Tom Parker. It is... Or ruined by the fans, or, if you listen yeah. to Colonel Parker. Okay, it's all our fault, guys, yes. by the way. I didn't know if you knew that. But, like, yeah, so I had been vaguely familiar with Tom Parker and, like, his role with Elvis and stuff. I, I had no idea about Elvis's daddy. That was the bigger revelation mm. in this movie. But I had never heard Tom Parker or anything like that. And what Hanks is doing is very particular. Mm-hmm. Very specific. I would say it's something... We've never really seen from Hanks before. I would say that, yeah. Yeah, very few performances. I would say this is sort of like, you know, maybe we saw this in Cloud Atlas to a degree. Sure, the true true. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to someone recently. I don't remember the context. I don't remember why it came up. We're talking about Road to Perdition. We're talking about all podcast long. I was like, I want to see Hanks do something else. I'm tired of him being the clean cut altar yeah. boy or whatever. And then he plays a villain. I'm like, oh, I don't want this. I know. He's too good. It's no. I don't know that I want this, but I also don't not like this. I was I was sort I don't want it to feel like I was like complaining on the car ride home. I'm not like I'm into this, but I don't know if it's for the right reasons. <laughs> like so, I, it's not that I don't like what he's doing, but I'm wildly entertained by what is up on screen. So I think we need to address the elephant in the room, which is the two hour and thirty nine minute runtime. The it is it's too long. There's too much stuff in it. Uh, it's exhausting. It's abrasive. Yet <laughs> I had a blast. I, I, yeah. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if that matters. No. What What's fun is that it's relentless. Like, so, uh, <laughs> like so it just doesn't stop. There's a whirlwind. Cause, okay, so for our Viva Pod Vegas show, we talk about how natural does the, the, does the music fit in the movie. Right. Because that's all Elvis as an actor, as a character, but all of a sudden this character also plays the guitar and sings yeah, yeah, like, hey, me that guitar. I got something to say. And so we do it on a scale of one to 10 and we're like, oh, like this actually feels really natural. This is like a nine. Like it's pretty good. This is like a 10. Like this, like all the music belongs because it's right. like the Elvis career. Yeah. But it's like an hour. Like I checked, I checked my watch an hour in because I was like, I, I, I felt out of breath. Right. Because right. it's whipping you from place to place. And I checked my watch and I'm like, how do we have an hour and 40 left? <laughs> and then the second time I checked was a half an hour later. I'm like, how is there, is there still an, more than an hour this movie left? an hour to go? Yeah, time is messy when you're watching this. Time kind of stops. It speeds up. It goes backwards. It goes in like circles and does all kinds of loops and stuff. But listen, for, good or bad, I can't really tell you yet. But I fucking loved it. Like, yeah. I, you know, like that's what's so hard to comprehend right now is like, that whole idea, like, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Did you like it or not? And, like, I just, I liked it, man. Yeah. Like, it is, 
over the top. It is garish. It is Baz Luhrmann, you know? And we were saying on the ride home, we're talking about different directors, but like nobody other than Baz Luhrmann can make this movie, at least this way. Like people can make an Elvis biopic. I also largely, I think I've complained about it either on this podcast or at no other podcast. I don't usually like biopics. I think that they're too over stuff, which this one Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. But like you watch a movie where it's like Walk the Line or it's, you know, the James Brown one or whatever. And it's just like, is it called Get Up or whatever? And it's just like, yeah, I get it. Like, they're a complicated person. They went through bad stuff. They had a lot of good songs. You know the songs. They're going to play the songs. And yeah, die. yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, but, like, how do you do 70 or 80 years in two hours? And this is, to a certain extent, like, 20 years in two and a half hours. Like, there's a little yeah. bit of him as a kid, which I thought was great. Yeah. But it's still too much. Right. And they also skip. Like a decade. They skip stuff. And stuff seems to be shuffled in order, like mixed up a little bit. It takes on like this uh, mammoth duty of instead of sort of looking at maybe just the comeback special, which would have been an amazing movie. Well, that's why I think like what I loved about Selma is that that, that's basically a Martin Luther King biopic about one thing. Yeah. So it's about the March on Selma. But it tells his story. Ooh, and that, yeah. I think, works because it's it's not trying to cover 40 years or 39 years of his life. Yeah. It's covering a week or two or whatever, yeah. a day or whatever. This is the entirety of Elvis's career. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're just like, you don't need to worry about the movies. Nobody gives a shit about the movies. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing, too, is like, it's it's almost like a highlight reel of Elvis's life, you know? And it's like a highlight reel of what someone thought Colonel Tom Parker were the best moments of Elvis's life because as much as this is an Elvis movie, it is all distilled through the perspective of yes. whoever thought that this is what Colonel Tom Parker was thinking. <laughs> like, it's wild. It is just wild that that is how the whole movie is framed, that it's framed through the eyes of this for lack of a better term, like villain, this snowman, which this I, we will perform as snow job on them Elvis, and we will get the rubes, which I think makes it interesting. Yeah, because I think most other biopics just tell a story and they follow the protagonist, and yeah. this follows the protagonist, but also is told through the eyes of a villain, like you said. I'm sure that there are other movies like this. I can't think of other examples where it's a, a story of someone super super famous told through the eyes of someone who used them. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think the issue here is they're trying to tell Colonel Tom Parker's story at the same time as Elvis's story. So there's like two crushing biopics colliding well, I think at one what's point. What's interesting is that he doesn't have a story. His story is that well, he yes. has no story. Well, yes. No, he doesn't have like a backstory. I'm just sort of saying like... He literally you know, doesn't have a backstory. Or, well, we, they, or he does, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. He's a very alien person. Uh, as it turns out, but like just the, I'm, I just meant that the idea of like, uh, you know, even being from the Colonel's perspective, it is also a biopic for him now. Like it yes. is, it is more of like, we talk about how instead of doing, they did Elvis's whole life, but they did, they did those moments of Tom Parker, like just the time he knew Elvis. Yeah. Those are the better types, I think of, uh, biopics, you know? So I think it, it almost works better for him than it does for Elvis well, I think at there times. Were, I think there were rumors years ago that this was going to be called like Colonel Tom or something like that. Like, I think that there were, there was conversation that was going to be like an, an Elvis movie, not with, with Elvis, not in the title. That still blows my mind. And the fact that it's called Elvis makes sense because this is the Elvis biopic, but it's also yeah. like you're saying, it's kind of a two for one. So I don't know. Wow. But yeah, so I know I just threw in my Colonel Tom Parker impression there real quick. It wasn't a, a great one, but like I had leaned over to you at one point and I was like, is Colin Farrell playing Tom Hanks playing Colonel Tom Parker? Because this guy is the fucking penguin. 
from the from the Batman. From the Batman. But I mean, he just looks like the penguin to me. Like even Burgess Meredith at times. I expected him to squawk like Elvis. And, over and Colonel Thomas called the snowman, so there's a nice winter theme going on there. Yeah, he's got a Batman villain name. That whole thing too, by the way, where he's like so Colonel Tom Parker's like, I was a con man. I was a carnival baka. I I took the rubes yeah, for all they were in their alley, basically. Yeah, yeah. And and Elvis is the geek. Oh my god, it's so bizarre. But hey, we also have Olivia De Young as Priscilla, who Elvis goes to. Sir, he serves in the military for two years, and there's only one scene, and it's him basically meeting Priscilla. I couldn't believe it. I Do you know be- this actress? Because there's something you've at, at least one, if not two, things you've seen her in. It was literally killing me to the point where I almost excused myself to look something up on my phone and leave the theater for a second. I know, I know her from somewhere. Because she normally has blonde hair. She was the older sister in The Visit, the M. Night movie. Oh, but what God. I know her from, what I love her in, is the Christmas movie Better Watch Out. Okay. She's the babysitter. Yeah. That, and so yeah. I was so glad, like, just before, because I don't watch trailers, and I sat down, and I was like, who is in this movie? Because, like, I have that same thing. It's like, usually it also happens to me with animated movies. I'm like, who is that voice? I can't place that voice. But I'm like, I'm just going to look through who's in this movie. And I didn't know Cody Smith McPhee was in there, who he kind of disappears as like the the son of Hank Snow or Hank's oh. now. Uh, <laughs> but like I was like, okay, so it's good that I know he's in there. Like I would reckon I would remember him. I'd know him. But I'm like, who is Olivia De Young? Because she's like this Australian accent actress. And I looked her up, and I'm like, oh, thank God, because like her face, like like I have hair blindness, and so she has like blonde hair in other things, but the face is the same, obviously, because it's her. But I would not have been able to place yeah. her, and she's great. Like I have a, I have a reference for her, and I went in there liking her, and she, she's goodness. But we yeah. like this movie, not about her. No, th- she is a spitting image of Priscilla. That like I, when I think of Priscilla, like that's those are the that's the look that I think of and stuff. Later, Naked Gun. It's amazing that Priscilla was in the Naked Gun movies. I think that's With OJ. The- yeah, with OJ. Wow. I mean, OJ wasn't the co-star, you know, but he was in those movies. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. But they share a screen credit. They scre- yeah, and screen time, and, and one or two of them, I think, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I was a little, I was a little bummed to the, like, I wanted to know more about Tom Parker, but there's nothing to know. There's really nothing more, you know what the I'm saying? The entirety of his story is that he was born in... I think they said Switzerland? Somewhere in Europe. And he has like this other name and he came to America as an illegal alien. Yeah. And he adopted the name Colonel Tom Parker. We don't know. Like it's not like a Don Draper story where like we know where his name no, is. Yeah. Dick Whitman came No from. one ever knows. Just, we just don't know. He's not a colonel. He's not named Tom. He's not named Parker. So I wish like instead of sort of going over that multiple times, we got more Priscilla. We got more Elvis family life at home and stuff. Like we got... We didn't. I thought we were gonna get way more of his mama, and then his mama passes away before he even goes to the army. Which I don't think that really happened. I don't know when that happened. I got to look that up because I because remember. Didn't, didn't he make a movie and he died and his mom? That, that, that might have been like his first movie though. I don't want you dying, but that was after the wars. So Mm-mm. oh, that was pre-war. He did like four or five movies because we had we already, okay. we already had his war break in. Elvis's mom. No, I know we. Yeah, I know we. It was only like three or four movies in, and then he goes to war. But all right. No, she died in '58. Yeah, so he's in war from like '58 to '60. So yeah, so that's. I always thought that she passed when he came back. So that's something I learned. That was uh, like we don't see him come back. We just see he's back. Like he's he's, he doesn't really come back in the movie because he's not gone. And here's the other thing: it's like a publicity stunt. They 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 tried to pull that shit. Was it in um, Fury where it was like you could either go to jail or go to war, and and some of those guys ended up in like World War Two. I don't remember that, but that makes sense. All right, and so like they say, like Elvis has that. My favorite scene of the movie, I think, is when he sings "Evil" outside at the um, when they're like, "Do not wiggle," and he wiggles his finger. Yeah. 
And so they're like, you either have to go to jail or go to war. I think that was just a way of Colonel giving him an image makeover, you know, because he's just like, I need to make Elvis clean, new yeah. Elvis, yeah. clean Elvis, family Elvis. So I'm what I was very la- what I was laughing like, about kind of was there's the song on Life of Pablo where Kanye, I think I don't know if it's a freestyle or not, but I miss the old Kanye because like they're like we miss oh, the yeah. old Elvis, and I'm just like Elvis and Kanye is not a terrible comp, right? Like it's just like they've reinvented mm. themselves. They're both like singular. They both can go by a single name. Yeah, it's wild. I was surprised how well they captured Elvis's sort of like goofiness. That's one thing I really love about Elvis when you see him in interviews and he starts like trying to crack a joke but it just doesn't work and then somebody yeah. just like makes a face or something they, they they got a lot of that across really well um but hanks man every time like the voiceover would start or he would come on screen mm-hmm. i would just get like this reaction of like you like i can't believe you threw yourself into it this far like he is all in on this. Like he is full Colonel Tom. There's tons of makeup. There's that crazy accent. There's the fat suit. The fat suit. He he got COVID during this. Mm-hmm. Like he really committed. And it's just like that is a lot of time and energy for that performance. And I'm not. I'm just not sure. What I'm. What was wild. And I leaned over to you and said this. That like, there's the thing toward the end where we know at the end of his career, Elvis gained a lot of weight right before he died. And we they they show heavy Elvis in his final performance. They yeah. show that in the movie. Yeah. But there's like radio reports of like Elvis, you know, spends weeks at a time in his bedroom, like spiraling. The only thing he cares about is his waistline, whatever. Like it's just like his growing waistline. They're basically like, hey, fat Elvis wants to make a star is born with Barbara Streisand. And then they cut to Elvis in the limo and it looks exactly the same as it has for the entire movie. I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. We just heard the radio announcer say, hey, Elvis is fat now. And then we cut to Austin Butler looking just like Austin Butler. And it's like. And and what's even worse is that. Then they cut to one of his final performance and we get half of it reenacted and half of it actual footage. Yeah. And and they did a great job matching yeah. that fat Elvis. So it was like and it's not like they didn't have the Plus expense. he's like he's like cloaked in shadow in the limo, just like put like a like stuff a pillow in his shirt or something. Or, or just dress him in half a size smaller. Like you'll be a, it, it's a miracle how well that works on screen. <laughs> or half a size bigger. Just make it like baggy and like whatever. Yeah, yeah, ill-fitting. Just, but yeah, he just looks like because he looks great. The hair is great. The makeup is great. The outfit is great. Oh, the, the moves are great. Yeah. But it's just such a weird detail that like we all know this thing about him. You address the thing about him, and then you don't do the thing. I agree. I agree. It, it gave me shades of Fat Keanu that never showed up after that one. <laughs> I've been promised Fat Keanu. I've been promised villain Hanks, and I didn't get one. I didn't like the other. Um, did you lean? You leaned over at me at one point, I think, and was like, "It feels like Cage." At oh, when some he, point, he when he starts leaning into like the sort of the theatrics. I think. Yes. I think this probably was the the Elvis goofiness you were saying. Yeah. But there's a certain like showman, and not in a showman like where you think of Elvis, but showman like. I'm having a good time, even if you're not having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's into his, he's into what he's doing. It doesn't matter if you're into what he's doing. Also, I want to say, I, the only note I took, I, I took my phone out in the first, like, five minutes I wrote this thing down, because I didn't know if I was going to remember it, but writing it down made me remember it. The movie begins in Las Vegas in 1997, as Tom Parker is, like, about to die or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Las Vegas, 1997. Con Air plane lands on the Vegas Strip, man. Oh, my God. Nicholas Cage running around this movie somewhere. That's hilarious. And now, obviously, he lives in Vegas. But, like, this movie sort of covers from, like, 55 to... 77-ish? 77, when, El- when Elvis dies. And then yeah. it has, like, a couple minutes, 97. Mm, yeah, like a coda of, yeah. like, Tom Parker. The like... Godfather coda. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got, like, yeah, weird... So, I mean, it's Boz Lerman, you know? So it's, like, very expressionistic. So you get scenes of, like, quote-unquote normalcy, where, like, 
Colonel Tom Parker's in like his hospital bed and he's got his IV, but then he like rips it out and starts walking with it through a casino that's completely empty, playing like yep. echoey Elvis music yep. and everything. And it's just like all of those kinds of flares are here. The the um the split screen, the triple split screen, yes. the quadruple split screen. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's that's what also keeps it up and keeps it going too. Because if it was made like a normal movie or even like even like a Spielberg musical, it wouldn't be enough. Like it needs the well, it needs him Flair. like doing the like arms up with the cape six times in a row with and, different capes and, and, and different colors, need, which they do. And I think it and it needs the excessively fast cutting yep. and the crazy effects and, and the, the zoom in on the international <laughs> where the camera goes inverts like it's like you know several times. It's Maverick trying to run down that mountain to drop the bomb <laughs> or whatever. They must have reused this one shot of that hotel like five times for four different well, shots. Did you, did you see Ambulance, the Michael Bay film Ambulance? No, I, I want. To There's for one some scene the work. where the camera work is like it's starts on top of a building and they go straight down the building you're like am i following no it's just a camera he's just he's showing off it's like there's but they do it more than once it's like <laughs> so, what are you doing it's funny you say that because i saw a gif of toby mcguire from the great gatsby another Boz lerman film and also the, op- the opening the, the opening op- the opening of this movie is the great Gatsby. like it's the whole like yeah, gold yeah. like unfurling unfolding so that movie opens with like all right one of the early shots is a shot of a camera flying down like a building and it stops like right in front of toby mcguire looking up and someone like man that cameraman must have gotten paid overtime to do that shot getting dropped from the Empire State Building but there's lots of those like those that's the style of the movie like it's very over the top like Elvis was so it fits well because I think it's also what he does well and he did the same thing with Ray Gatsby where he blends music of the era obviously this is an Elvis movie so there's a lot of Elvis music like a lot of Elvis music in it but there was also like modern hip hop and there's there was the elusive which we did not get spoiler for the movie there's no Britney Spears toxic Backstreet's Back matchup with with maybe Hound Dog not even on the soundtrack there's an Eminem song in the credits I couldn't believe that there's a Casey Musgraves version of uh, Can't Help Falling in Love With You I think like there's all these different on the soundtrack which is like 30 tracks there's like elvis songs there's austin butler songs and then there's other mashups and covers and yeah. whatever by like team apollo's on there like there's a bunch of different big names yeah four hour cut they're it, coming well that's the thing there's a, a rumor Boslerman said or not a rumor he confirmed there's a four hour version of this movie whether we ever see it or not because we also talk a lot about and this was not adapted <laughs> from a book but movies are always often the wrong length and like I think an eight-hour miniseries this would be good, but like, I don't know that you would be able to. Okay. I don't know that it would. You can't do it this style. You can't do a miniseries like this. Like I can't watch a TV show like this. No. Like that's a, that's impossible. Yeah. Like name a single show that's ever been this like frenetic. Yeah. And like hard to sort of like keep up with. Like it's I don't know. You know what it also felt like at times? Like Boslerman's style feels a little like Scorsese's montage style for like casino and stuff where it just like voiceover and flashback and flash forward and this and it's like const that's what this movie is just a constant montage yeah but what i liked about it because you know over on how to win the lottery we talk a lot about you know books and structure and also film adaptations and stuff like that and one thing that we talked about on our interview most recently with bud smith wrote teenager was we were talking about how that novel is linear and there's only one flashback scene he talked about like and like how refreshing that was because like everything now is just like oh we're out of order not even like the Tarantino thing but just like we're right. telling three stories in three different timelines what it's it just means like, to be literary it's just like yeah. this sucks like this is not good I don't want this just tell a straight story and for the most part like there, it starts in the present or whatever 97 or whatever and it ends there but for the most part this is a straightforward linear story. I mean, there's like, it jumps around a little bit. It flashes back to him as a kid. But for the most part, it's not like it's telling 
old Elvis and young Elvis and prime Elvis at the same time. True. It's like this is just kind of a straight journey forward through his life and career, which keeps which makes it easier to sort of understand. And I guess that it helps that it's sort of a simple journey because he really complicates it up visually. You know, he really tries to, you know, wow you with the eyes. Because I guess, you know, for the most part, a lot of Elvis stuff is kind of just part of our society, I think, at this point. Like, you know general things. Yeah. You know about Priscilla. You know about taking care of business. You know, thank you very much. And Elvis has left the building. Yeah, you know, like, I knew Tom Parker, but I didn't know like all this weird shit about him and I was like a fucking predator and a groomer and all that kind of that's what he comes across yeah. as that's how he feels in this movie like he was grooming Elvis well do you like there's the there's the closing credits like the text screen where it's talking about how like Elvis is the best selling solo artist of all time this is how the thing shook mm-hmm. out with the lawsuit with the Colonel Tom Parker he spent his final days in obscurity losing his money in the casinos blah 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 all this different stuff and then there's a the thing that's just like Elvis continues to impact popular culture today. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, we just watched the movie. We know that. <laughs> they continue to make Elvis movies to this day. But yeah, you, you did this. <laughs> like, really, like, people still listen, people still care, people still remix, whatever. But, like, people weren't really talking about Elvis. The boss is like, let's do an Elvis movie. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, by the way, people still talk about, it. yeah, we know, you just did it. <laughs> You know, I actually kind of uh, completely forgot that Elvis Presley existed until this. I saw the trailer for this movie, and I was reminded, oh, yeah, no, I follow Riley Keough. Like, I'm not... Like, I was also thinking, so there was uh, Winning Time on HBO, which is great, the, 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 the Rise Laker of the Showtime show. Lakers, and there is one actor who was a child actor who kind of gave up on acting and came back, but he's playing his father. Oh. One of the basketball, one of the Lakers, I don't remember who it was. It's, it's not one of the main, it's not Magic, it's not a Kareem, whatever. It was one of the, one of the guys in the Lakers is playing his father. Cool. That's somewhat nepotism, of course, but I was thinking, we I was listening to this on a podcast, and they were talking about, like, other people who've played their parents or whatever, and I think at one point we are like, it would be cool if Riley Keough was in this, but I was like, there's really only four characters. There's, like, Elvis and Tom and his dad and Priscilla, and, like, everybody else is kind of, like, around a little bit, but, like, mm-hmm. it's not really. Yeah. So the only real female role is Priscilla, and, like... I don't know that they ever approach her, but I was thinking about how weird it would be to play your grandmother. Oh, yeah. Making out with your, and like having your grandfather, like having your, giving yeah. birth to your mom. I, and I'm like, I don't mm, want that. Nobody yeah. wants that. I, 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 even, I, I would have to imagine she passed. I think they might have even approached her and I, it's, I would pass. Like, that's too weird. But I know that Priscilla and Riley and... Is Priscilla still alive or no? Yeah. Priscilla and Lisa Marie and mm-hmm. Riley, and they've all said, like, they love this movie. Okay. That they love Boz's vision. They thought Austin Butler was great. Like, they have all thrown their full support behind this. Wow, wow. It works, right? Even though, like, it does not paint Elvis as a great guy. It paints him as a complicated guy. But I, also, I think it also paints him as things would have turned out differently if he had been treated better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was certainly taken advantage of, but... He was a person. He was just like, I think what the movie does best is just show that like he's just like one of us that had to like do these amazing things, you know, like there's that one after his first night in Vegas, which is like a great show. That's a great scene. But then when the when the curtain goes down, he's just like exhausted and can't move. And, you know, and they're running up to him and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, he's just a fucking guy. Like when well, at the end the other, of the day, I think that's the other thing that this movie does is it kind of paints him as an unwilling drug addict. Yeah, yeah. That, like, Colonel Tom is like, hey, Dr. Nick's on staff. Dr. Nick, fix him up. Or even earlier with the Bennies, when I leaned over, I was like, you don't want any of this shit, do we? I know. <laughs> and his dad even be like, all right, Dr. Nick, fix him yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Also, Dr. Nick, 
Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Nick. Um, <laughs> but also, like, at the end, like, he's in, his hostel, he's in his hotel room after, like, he has realized that, like, Colonel Tom has let him down. And, like, yeah. he, he sort of resigns himself to the fact. And he's like, just get Dr. Nick. But, like, I feel like that, at that point, he, it's, it's, it's his choice, but it's not really his choice, right? So, like, yeah, yeah he's... He's not breaking free, but it's also he's too far down that road. So. Yeah, and I think you know you mentioned you mentioned Kanye like to an extent you see that today with entertainers all yeah. the time and sports stars. Well, Britney and, you know, too, the whole yeah, Britney thing, right? Exactly. Like it's it's a different thing. It's not the it's not the addiction thing, but it's the controlling, the manipulative, like right. free Britney, all that stuff. Where it's it's the same thing. It's like yeah. people see an opportunity for fame or money or power or whatever, they take it. Like yeah. Elvis. I, it's impossible to know. It feels like he probably would have broken through even if Colonel Tom, but like it might have been somebody else like Colonel Tom or who knows. Yeah, but like yeah. it seems like the way this movie positions it, because I don't know. I think also the premise of like our pod of Viva Pod Vegas is like, we don't know much about the guy. <laughs> like we know the music. <laughs> and and we're, le- we're learning from the movies. Right, which does not help. <laughs> but it feels like this movie sets it up as like he's breaking out and Colonel Tom just accelerates that. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. hits the Nas. But it feels <laughs> like he would have gotten there eventually anyway. Yeah. Because like, even before Colonel Tom steps in this, at least this one town is like a Twitter with him. They're just right, like, right. Oh That's my God. Can, can you believe he's a hashtag? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think, I think, that guy was in the right place at the right fucking time, you know, Colonel Tom. Also, I feel like that's probably a little bit of like, uh, I don't remember. Shifting reality yeah. around a bit. Where it's like, oh, uh, the kid in the truck is listening to the same song that Cody Smith McPhee just picked up at the record store. And like, I understand this probably everywhere. Yeah. Like, I've heard people talk about like walking down the street in the early 90s and like, smells like Teen Spirit is playing through like every rest. Like, I, I get that there's like cultural yeah. moments, but at the same time. Oh, also, he's going to play at the place we're going to meet tonight. <laughs> and, like, he just happens to be whatever and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And he just happens to find him outside and, like, perfect hear, timing. Hear his mom saying, like, you got the strength of two men and oh, all and this different stuff. And your brother's looking down. It's just like, okay. Like, I get that they're compressing probably a lot of things, which works for the film. That's a little bit of a lit, like, dramatic license or literary oh, yeah. license or whatever, where who knows. But Cer- certainly. Yeah. You do. I, it's also, I think, I think what what works, what like why the movie is good is because like even though you know how it turns out, like there's like most of the movie is just like get out, get out, man. Right. It's like a horror movie. It's just like it does get, run out of the house, just that's leave. The thing is like that's why I'm just so fascinated, I guess, by Hanks's choice to do this. Like, is it that he's a huge Elvis fan and he needed to be involved somehow, or did they come to him, or was it like I am so perplexed, but. I guess it's the challenge of playing somebody with no background. Like that's got to be hard as hell, right? Like who is this guy? Where does he come from? What what's about no one knows anything about this character? Elvis is like playing Jesus and it doesn't really matter who plays Pontius Pilate says Hanks. What Some- then why do it? <laughs> what? Elvis oh. gives us Hanks as we've never seen him before. This is from Entertainment Weekly. Trussed up under layers of costuming and makeup, bloated and reptilian with a strange slightly Dutch accent pulling the strings as the carnival barker turned talent manager who made Elvis into a star. From the beginning, Lerman had Hanks on his shortlist. Quote from Boz, the gargantuan size and complexity of Parker would define the air for Elvis to be internal and spiritual. Without that, it would be hard to reflect Elvis against it. And I went, I bet Tom Hanks would be into playing a dark role or dark note on his instrument that no one could see coming. You know what it has a bit of? That uh, I saw recently, and I told you today, I watched twice in a row because I loved it so much. The Vox Lux, mm-hmm. 
now that I'm thinking about it, this has a bit of that Faust thing where like Hanks is the devil and he's sure. keeping pushing Elvis up on stage and I made a deal and you know, this is this is what you get. And it's like one of those genie deals where it's like be careful what you wish for. Hanks says that Boz said there'd be no Colonel Tom Parker without Elvis, and there certainly would have been no Elvis without Colonel Tom Parker. When he said that, I said, Oh, well, okay, that's brand new. Because I don't know what Colonel Tom Parker looks like. I don't know what he sounds like. I've never seen a photograph of him. He's never been identified as anything other than this mercurial or puppet-like quasi-evil greedy manager that took advantage of Elvis from the get-go. That's the standard trope that goes along with Colonel Tom Parker. Why include the Colonel in all of this, continues Hanks. One reason is because the Elvis story has become a trope. Everyone's very familiar with it, which I think we are saying before. You have to put a spin on it. And I don't think it had been done the most righteous justice in order to capture why Elvis was this bend in the river of American culture. Boz Lerman says, if Elvis represents the soul of the new in America, the possibility in America, the rags and riches in America, all these positive, very American things, the colonel represents the sell, the promotion, the branding, the promises. Right. The more I read about the colonel, it was all the sell overwhelming the other side. If Shakespeare's looking to take on a new historical character now, you couldn't go past the idea of the colonel and Elvis. Colonel's like Falstaff with a chainsaw, because Shakespearean villains are never just a bad guy. Colonel Tom Parker absolutely did diabolical things, but he also did extraordinarily genius things. So everyone is a paradox and a coin flip. That's what makes him so delicious. Interesting. Yeah, because he did do that like satellite concert thing. That was amazing. But also it's like he just treats, he just sees a commodity. You know, he's like, I invented this word. Like, like, what did he call it? Merchandising. He's like, yeah, you created merchandising? All right, Tom Parker. For Butler, so Austin Butler said, you can see Colonel Tom Parker as despicable, but when it's Tom, he's such an incredible actor, he can justify everything and he's not playing a bad guy in his mind. He's so justified, it made me have to double down and question, wait, maybe he's right in this moment. You seem right. That was amazing because you see the twinkle in his eyes. And you can see that moment where he just yeah. like, he spins the narrative in a way just like, Snowman strikes again. Just like, exactly. you, got, you got it, man. Okay. So I was getting uncomfortable how often they talk about snowmen and snow jobs. Because, like, isn't snow job like a sex act also? I don't know. Like, Probably everything is. Rule 39 or whatever, but it's like in reverse. Like, all the words can definitely be something. <laughs> but I, that was, they really, so they really leaned heavily into be a snowman and a snow job and you got to snow them over and all the snow. And, like, I never heard that terminology before when talking about grifters or carnival barkers or anything like that it feels like because he also like he's in, he's sitting in front of this like enormous like snowmen's league of gentlemen or something i'm yeah. just like what is this i don't know i think it's something he just made for himself it's cool it's a weird branding but i like the branding man to be the snowman <laughs> here's some trivia from imdb about the movie for his audition austin butler recorded himself singing love me tender when he watched he felt like it was an impersonation and refused to submit it huh. a few days later he had a nightmare that his deceased mother was dying again jesus christ overwhelmed with grief he decided to pour his emotion to his music thinking of the lyrics to unchained melody he remembered quote i always take it for granted but that's to ro- a romantic partner but what if i sing that to my mom hmm. he sat down on the piano in his bathrobe and filmed it the video immediately caught Boslerman's attention as he was confused and intrigued. Was it an audition? Was he having a breakdown? Eventually met with Butler and eventually gave him the parts. Interesting. Apparently he got advice from Rami Malek about portraying oh. someone very famous because he did yeah, he Queen, was in the Queen biopic. Freddie Mercury. Also auditioning and testing for the role, Ansel Elgort. Oh, no. Since canceled. Miles Teller, since canceled and uncanceled. Uh, I mean, it was canceled, but then they found it in the mail. I don't know. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Whoa. Kick-ass. Craven. <laughs> and Harry Styles, which Harry Styles oh. was like, I really wanted it. And Boz was like, he would be great, but he's too big. 
we need like yeah. sort of a more of an un- like and Austin Butler's been in things. He's in that Olivia Wilde movie, right? Yeah, we saw Don't the, Worry Darling yeah, with him and Florence Pugh. But he's also like he was in One Direction. Like he's yeah, enormous. Yeah, yeah, he can't be all this. Didn't um the guy from the White Stripes portray him in the Dewey Cox movie? Jack no, it was Jack was it does that Jack White? Was it Jack White? I don't know. I haven't seen Dewey Cox. Oh, you haven't? Then you didn't Mm-mm. get my joke. No, I was just like, I, yeah, you know. So in that movie, it's just like, you know, Dewey opens up a bathroom and a gig and they're smoking grass and they're like, you don't want any of this shit, Dewey. And then the joke is every decade they're doing a different drug in the okay. bathroom. Okay. And they're like, you don't, this is cocaine. You don't want any of this shit, Dewey. Austin Butler and Elvis are 16th cousins twice removed. Oh, okay. That's, we all are from Genghis Khan or whatever they say. According to Billboard, Priscilla wanted Lana Del Rey to play her in the movie. Oh. She was rumored to want the role of Priscilla, but they are not confirmed. And then Olivia DeYoung got it. Huh. Maggie Gyllenhaal and Rufus Sewell were cast as Elvis' parents before the production was shut down. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Six months later, they were forced to drop out when productions resumed to scheduling conflicts. I guess that was probably the COVID thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Can you, can you Maggie Gyllenhaal works as the mom? Mom's goodness. I don't know the mom's. I, I, I don't know. And again, like I said, with Elvis's dad, like I knew zip about his father. For some reason, I just felt like his father maybe passed away when he was younger or something. But like I had no clue that 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 he was by his side during all of this stuff. Here's a crazy thing: Hollywood makeup veteran Daniel C. Stripke, who had been Tom Hanks's personal makeup artist on 16 films over 20 years between Dragnet and Da Vinci Code. Also did makeup for Elvis on Follow That Dream. He also created Elvis's quote tan for Viva, Viva Las Vegas and Harem Scarum. Weird. He also was nominated for his makeup work on Forrest Gump and Saving Private Ryan. So it's like this one guy who's Weird. been around forever. He's worked with Hanks and Elvis yep. and Hanks on the was he on the Elvis movie or no? Just no, okay. no, 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 no. Tom Hanks had previously played an Elvis impersonator and Elvis has left the building. Do we know that? I didn't know that. What is that? A TV show? Don't a know. TV movie? Don't know. I know that uh, Tarantino played a. Elvis impersonator on an episode of the Golden Girls. Were you aware of that? <laughs> Quentin Tarantino when he was trying to be an actor. Yes, I, yeah. I do. I do know that. Yes, <laughs> that yes, 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 funny. yes. Elvis was twenty-two. Oh, this is they they uh, they 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 worked their way around this in the movie. Uh huh. Elvis was twenty-two when he fell in love with fourteen-year-old Priscilla. Oh, they really. Yeah. He had other underage girlfriends, including fifteen-year-old Dixie Locke, who he dated between fifty-two and fifty-five. There is the one mention in the movie where. Elvis is like, you'll come back to me when I'm 50 and you're 40. And it's like, okay, so there's a 10-year gap. I wasn't thinking about... I know. Oh, so he was like 22, 24. Ooh. That's a bit much. Yeah, but they give you the math. It's there. I know. But they just don't press you on it. I knew that in the back of my head, but it's one of those things you kind of force yourself to forget about (laughs) after a while. Gladys is his mom, right? Helen Thompson, best known for this... She has not been in a ton of things. I have a feeling there might be a big... Uh, this was done down under, right? It's yeah. Australia. So there could be a lot of day players from Aussie. The Elvis' dad, Richard Roxburgh, the actor, was in Van Helsing, which maybe you'll cover okay. one, 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 on get there one day. And he was in Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. So. All right. Yeah. Anything else of note to say about Elvis? I mean, it's crazy. Like, I knew it was going to be nuts, but like... Right when it started and it had like that big taking care business logo and it just like sort of flowered and cascaded into the fells like, here we go. It is on. And I really was not disappointed. Like, I still don't know if I love it. I don't hate it. I know that much. I I really liked it. I had a really fun time watching this thing is insane. Like, this is like a real fucking movie movie where it's like, you know, every second of it, you're watching a movie and it's just pure spectacle. And it's so much fun. It is. It, it's tiring. Um, it is. It's not as tiring as Cats, though. 
Well, you got up in cats and you were like, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, I, we're not leaving. So I don't like you didn't have that moment here. But no. I do think that there was like, like we were laughing a little bit at things. That I'm not sure were necessarily intentionally funny, but it's it's just more like he's like you said, spectacle. He's creating something like you're having a good time. Experience it however you want to experience it. Yeah, I would say I don't really need to see it on the big screen, but I think hearing it with great sound oh. is obviously important. That, I'm glad you brought that up. Because we were in the Dolby Atmos Theater, and I think my ears started bleeding at one point. But that's how you had to do an yeah. Elvis movie, definitely for this, for this, for the uh, music and everything. Go see it in the loudest one possible. Yeah. So next up, let's see what we have for Hanks coming up. I feel Ooh. like there's ah, there's so much that we. I feel like he signed an, a deal with Apple Plus, and we're going to get a couple movies there. <laughs> He was in one episode of 1883, which is the Yellowstone prequel. Oh, I haven't seen as that. General George Meade. Oh, for sure the next thing we're getting, the thing that we're, we're definitely getting this year is Pinocchio, where he plays oh. Geppetto. Oh, right. He's also in Asteroid City, the Wes Anderson movie. Who knows when that's coming out? Oh. He's also in A Man Called Otto, which is supposedly coming out at Christmas. I feel like Asteroid City and A Man Called Otto have been on his IMDb for the entire time that we've done this podcast since the beginning of 2019. <laughs> Like, it's the same thing. It's just, I don't know what these are. Who yeah. knows? Like, yeah. Finch was already, originally called, like, A Man Called Ove or whatever, remember? It just, like, became oh, a sort of yeah. thing. I don't know. I mean, if we get one more, I'll be happy. But this was definitely, um, yeah, I think this is outside the box for Hanks. I think you got to see this to believe this kind of stuff. Like, that's Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you never, you never, I don't think you ever lose sight of the fact that it's Tom Hanks. But it is New Hanks. Yes. Which I'm glad because through the history of the show, I have not necessarily been the biggest fan of just like, it feels like he's not making the same movie over and over again, but he's always like, he's America's dad, right? Yeah. He has the a question, yeah. is he still America's dad? The answer here, no, very oh, clearly not, right? Is... The answer, very rarely no, but. He talks a lot about family and all that in this movie, but I don't trust the guy. So I forgot that we, we normally did this. I don't think we did this in the Top Gun Maverick episode, because I, th- I think the answer was no there. I think the answer is no here. Oh, is this the Lightning McQueen No, question? no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> the other Tom, could Tom Cruise oh, have played Colonel Tom Parker? God. He basically plays him in, to a certain Tropic extent, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. His name not Len, his name, he's not Len Wiseman. I know that's the director. No, but he basically, yeah, yeah. He, what's his name in that movie? Less, I think. Less something. I don't see. Okay, this is going to sound strange, but I don't think Cruz has like right now. I don't think he wants to be under that much makeup doing a real person playing a real person. Right. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, he did American Made. Less Grossman. Less Grossman. I like look at American Made. I love that movie, but he is he does not look a thing like the real guy. You know, like he's like I'll do this, but I'm going to be me in right. this movie, and it's still a fucking amazing. Well, I mean, movie, it's also but... like the real guy. I don't remember the guy's alive or not or whatever. But it's no, like, he's gone. Yeah, he, he's just like in that. oh, Tom Cruise. Like yeah, he would if he explained me, he'd do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. No, I don't. I don't. I can't picture. I could barely picture Hanks doing this. I cannot picture Tom Cruise doing this. Well, because I think Hanks. They're definitely going for different things as their career goes on. Yeah. And we talked about this on a lot of the podcasts that we do about Cage and Keanu. Keanu more so, but they're both like, hey, we're still going to be the lead in movies. And Keanu's had the Keanu songs, and he's now back in like mainstream movies. But like stuff like yeah. replicas, it's just like, oh. I'm going to do like a weird movie, but I'm going to be the star of it. Yeah, yeah. And Cage, like that's his whole MO. Cruz is like, no, I'm going to do like one movie every two years, but it's going to be a movie that features things that you've never seen before. Yeah. We'll never see again. Hanks is just like, I'm just an actor, man. I, I was just going to say, he's like, I'm going to put on the makeup, I'll put a dress up, like, yeah, 
He feels to me like he's still the same Tom Hanks. You know, I think the times have changed around him a lot, right? And I think that Tom Cruise changes much better with the times. But uh, there's still room for Hanks. Like, I see, like, I watched this Tom Parker performance and I'm like, no one has the experience or the balls or like the cachet in their name to like even try something like this. Like, again, like Colin Farrell doing the penguin is like as close as you could get to like disguising yourself under makeup behind the role. I don't even know. I don't know how else to really compare it to anything. It's just, you know, you want to disappear and you want to fully inhabit a character that's a different form of acting than what Tom Cruise is after these days. Well, I feel like there are there are certain actors who like will lose themselves in a thing. And I think it's rare. I'm not saying Tom Hanks is unattractive. He's obviously a good looking dude. But Colin Farrell is like a gorgeous man. Yeah, he's hot. And so for him to like go under the penguin makeup, it's just like what? And it reminds me, and there was the 3,000 Years of Longing trailer that we saw before, where it's like Tilda will also do that in a way that like very few other actresses will. She'll be like, oh, I'll play this old woman. I'll play play three characters, old man or whatever, like in Suspiria. Yeah. I'll I'll play play a thousand-year-old vampire. I'll play like, (laughs) yeah, sure. Why not? I'm an actor. What am (laughs) I going to do? So I think it's cool, and I, I appreciate it, and I applaud it. I still don't. I, I read the. I read the quotes. I understand why. I still don't know why. But like, cool, I'm glad it's good. In a way that like, Finch was good. I, I enjoyed Finch, but Finch is like, I get it. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. like, oh, this is this is something. This is interesting. Yeah. This is more than just a like, like this is again. This is like movies. Like I don't know how else to really. I mean, that sounds so stupid. It sounds like, you know, Vin Diesel, the movies. But, like, when I say that, it just means, like... It's movie magic. There's yeah, a- it's got them... It's exactly. Like, it's it's using... It's pulling every trick in the book, you know? It's saying, like, here's what you can do when you make a movie. Like, you can really push the limits to a lot of shit. And yeah. Yeah, it goes... It goes ape. <laughs> uh, so, our next Hanks movie for sure will probably at least be... Or at worst be... I don't know how to say it. Pinocchio probably this year. Yeah, that's on Disney Plus, I think. So is it? I, I yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay, sure, I believe that. Our next Elvis movie will be Follow That Dream. We have eight episodes of Elvis out. Our last one was Blue Hawaii, um, which I remember yeah. liking. Yeah, that's a good one. Even though people like didn't like it, but we have eight of those. We do those when we just get together for other things. But this was a bit of a special production. You know, we went to see the movie. We we're an, sort of releasing an important it thing. on two feeds. Yeah. I don't know what else we have coming out. Like, Cage has stuff maybe, you know, hopefully, probably later this year. Yeah. Keanu, I don't know. I'm not sure. We have some Charlize to catch up on. We're going to get, we're supposed to get John Wick 4 this year. So that movie is in the can somewhere. I think it's coming out next year, right? I think yeah. they pushed it for a year. So, uh, I don't know. Go rewatch the new Matrix movie because it was sure. amazing yeah. if, you're, if you're jonesing for Keanu. Um, <laughs> Cage has the unbearable weight of massive talent. Check that out. That's now out on one. Blu-ray. Yeah. So you can get it at however, rent it, own it, buy it, whatever. But yeah, go to cageclub.me slash shows. Mike and I both have multiple shows together and apart. Uh, new shows just about every day on cageclub.me. So go there, poke around. That's everything mm-hmm. else. Any other thoughts about Elvis or anything like that? No. How do we uh, How do we end the Hanks show? I don't remember. We'll see you next time on, on Hanks, Hanks for, for the, the Memories. memories. <laughs> You're looking for trouble. You came to the right place. Looking for trouble? Just look right in my face. I was born standing up and talking back. My daddy was a green eye.